Hello, everyone. Welcome back to uh, another episode of us discussing software modernization. I'm Sam. I'm Abdul. I'm Mike. Excellent. We've got the, the formalities out of the way. Um, so we've, we've covered a little bit so far in the previous episodes around um, sort of general responsibilities of software modernization, how it compares a little bit to uh, greenfield projects, um, and everywhere uh, in between. Um, I think today we'll see where the conversation takes us, but I think we wanted to delve a bit more into starting a software modernization. How do you really get off the ground with the discovery um, and those really early stages um, of a software modernization project? So I'm going to start it off a little bit um, with just giving a brief explanation of one of, the, one of the ways that I've seen work quite well in the past, uh, which is Golden Master. And I'll give an explanation um, of that, um, just in terms of just a high-level technique um, that you can use. So I'll describe the situation a bit. So you, you, you're in a software modernization project. Um, you come across this code base that has little to no testing. Um, and you're sort of like, you know it needs to be modernized. It's, you've already, we're skipping a few bits here. So we're, we're assuming that you've identified it's an area that, um, of importance to the business. It needs to be modernized. But it's one of those situations where you're afraid to touch it. Um, and if you do touch it, things might go bang. Um, so what you can do, um, and Mac, I know you, you've um, done some slightly interesting techniques with Goldmaster, so we'll, we'll probably get into that a little bit as well. Um, but one way is the Goldmaster technique, which is um, also known as Golden Master testing. Um, and what it, what it is, is you have this software, and basically... Think input output. Of course, it's not necessarily always that simple. It could be right into a database. It could be various different things. So it's not necessarily output as in just a console um, uh, application. But the idea being that you um, load various different inputs into it. So you input into the system, you use it, and then you record what it does. So you take a, effectively a snapshot in time of the behavior. Um, and in the simpler examples, you'll see um, across uh, across the internet, it'll be sort of right into a um, like a text file or something, right? It'll write the inputs and then also the outputs as well. Um, and then the idea is that then you you make some changes to the software because now you have that snapshot of the behavior, and then you basically you then can rerun it and you can say, "Have I broken anything? Are the inputs and outputs still the same?" Of course, the assumption, the big assumption, is that the current behavior is correct. Which of course, during that process of generating the golden masters, you might look at the data and say, "Oh, is this right?" So it should be dependent on the size of the Golden Masters. Um, so that's just one way that I've found it's been really useful to give you some confidence to actually change um, the software um, where there are sort of little to no tests. Obviously, if you already have an existing uh, test suite, that's a different uh, different matter, assuming it's a good test suite. Although, Mac, do you want to give your views? I know Golden Master, I didn't want to jump straight into a, a solution, but I know that that's one way that people in that situation of coming at, uh, coming to a piece of software you want a modernization project that's one avenue you can go down um obviously we're missing out a few of the steps before here but um we can get back and discuss those in a minute yeah probably uh we missed the, uh, the entire like analysis and discovery yeah. so we already yeah. like know what we have to do but yeah. um in the end in most of the cases uh because of you know of the software being you know very old and no one understands it there is little to no documentation. The people who created it are no longer there. So one of the ways to understand it is write those characterization tests, which is like golden master test basically, right? So um, understand not a functional level because still that would take too much time. You just like throw in some inputs to it, get some outputs. And with some auxiliary tools, you just make sure that these tests cover, let's say 90% plus of the code base that you're about to modernize, let's say. So that gives you that um, confidence, the safety net um, to try and uh, refactor a bit, actually, right? Because um, you cannot just TDD your way from the beginning, really, right? This is something that comes a bit later. Um, once you have that initial safety net suite of tests and um, how much is necessary and how big it should be depends on the context, I guess. But from my experience, it's always good to have it in place in um, yeah, one way or the other, basically. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, yeah, not sure if you want to get down a bit more into the details of it or. Yeah, we, we can. Um, well, we can we can take a, a rewind back and, and sort of go back. I said, I said we sort of skipped a few <laughs> few bits and pieces. Um, but um, one thing I, I sort of was going to just briefly mention off the back of what you said, Macho, was that um, the there are there are tools as well that can obviously help. Um, so obviously, a lot of developers um, use Git, and there's a wealth of information to sort of uh, to mine there um, and. Tools like Code Scene, uh, Sonar Cube can sort of give you some useful information um, in terms of hotspots that are changed, etc. Because as, as you mentioned earlier on, um, you sort of arrive at this code, and the people that maybe worked on it maybe have left, and it's sort of you know that maybe has happened several times that people have come and then and then left, and so they're sort of maybe their knowledge doesn't carry on, um, and so maybe apart from some documentation. Um, you can sort of use some of that information to see well actually there are particular hotspots and you can say this is being changed a lot um or or in some cases you can then say well this was actually changed by this one person that left you know five years ago or whatever um so you can get some some really interesting information from there um obviously this is once you've identified the, the thing to be modernized you can get some uh, nice interesting statistics there as well as well as complexity etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah, I guess uh, the tools are always helpful, but uh, from the beginning, I would start with just talking to people, even though maybe they are they weren't there from the beginning. Uh, they're working around that software, right? Maybe not from the very very start, but uh, they also should be aware of typical problems, typical places they need to revisit. And uh, this is maybe a good time to like start the like proper analysis, like discovery phase, where. Also, like key point of it is to establish, you know, um, some kind of relationships with those people because we work in a lot of them, even though you're on a different separate team that has a different mission to modernize things. And this team is doing, you know, the core product work, but it's still a very important place to start talking to people. And so I guess the um, technology might come a bit later. Uh, it's, we're working with people, right? So uh, it's very important to have a chat with them to see what actually um, they have to say about uh, the particular workflow and yeah, establish some relationship. That's very important because modernization is a long process and you'll be dealing with those people for quite often and for a long time, right? So that's important to start. I guess if you start with, um, you know, a, a tool and then show them, this is what I found. This is probably not the best way to start, you know, a relationship with that team, let's say. So, um, but maybe Abdul also has some interesting thoughts on his side yeah i think it's uh it's an interesting problem i mean i think it's i think with us with most projects i think it's really tempting to kind of get into the into the nitty-gritty uh, and also that's obviously one of the most important aspects of it um i guess talking with more of an analyst hat on one of the key things i like to know before we go into a modernization is um specifically what you know what do we mean by modernization within the context of that application so i think obviously you know that there are there are many contexts or many kinds of modernizations if you will um so one might be as an example uh, similar to the scenarios that sam was highlighting where you have uh, probably a, a monolith with a, a lot of behavior uh, it's very unknown and you might want to um, make changes to that software so it's more easy to change. So it means restructuring it and you want to maintain its existing behavior. Um, but there are also other kinds of scenarios. So it might be that you've got a system that's unperformant. Uh, it's all about kind of improving the performance uh, and throughput of a system. It could be um, you've migrated a legacy platform to cloud. You want to make it a bit more cloud native. So you want to modernize it in that way, maybe decouple the software in some meaningful way. Um, or it could be just about general stability as software is unstable. So for me, the first step to kind of understanding where we should go is understand the problem, right? Why are we modernizing the software? Um, once we understand that, then I think the conversations you need to have kind of naturally flow from there. And, and also obviously the technologies, because you might, you can then make a more meaningful decision about what you will and will not touch um, around the software. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's, 
as, as looking at it from the kind of very far left of the process, if you're that's that's a big priority. And then moving right at the end, picking the correct tooling uh, and making sure that you've got um, a good, preferably automated safety net, especially where there's uh, not much understanding of the system. Um, so you've got essentially input output tests, the golden masters. Uh, I do think it's critical in almost any kind of modernization where you're searching that software. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, to me it all kind of flows cascades one to the other. Uh, understand your context. What do, what why are you doing it? What is the key outputs? Find those relationships. Have those conversations. Try to understand what you know what we do know and don't know, and obviously build that safety net around the software. So any changes you do make don't create regression uh, and make people regret the the decision to to start a modernization projects. Yeah. I guess as a as a, a broad uh, starter for ten. Mm. Uh, one question: how, how do you how do you know you have the right people? Uh, we mentioned about sort of making sure that we build those relationships early on with the uh, with people around the software. But how, how do you know what people to to start talking to? Um, and again, I'll see it will depend a bit on as you said. There's different flavors of software modernization. But if we just pick one of those. So I think you know you've got the right person. Uh, so who are some of the main characters that I like to see in my team? I, I like to see people that have worked with that software regularly. And it might not be the usual suspects, right? So if the software is, um, say, for example, being productionized for a very long time and there's no more engineers that have worked on it originally, it might be of many of the support staff have the most intimate knowledge about how that system works you know they they're most familiar with its its utilization in production they're most familiar with how you know the software work the flows of the of the software they might even be kind of familiar with the the actual source code depending on what the application is so for me the most important thing is is having that person now they might be quite conservative and quite hesitant to change that software and that's always a challenge um you might have essentially a, a bit of a cynic or a pessimist in your team but that can also be helpful because i think you know bringing in other individuals that will probably be doing the actual you know heavy lifting of the change they can be a bit over enthusiastic and, and unaware of some of the pitfalls that might be there. So I think they're very, very valuable. That said, on the other side, I think you do need fresh eyes. Uh, you need someone who might have a, a experience with modernizing software, might have experience with similar kind of software, but fundamentally is coming at it from a different perspective. Um, because more often than not, you're working with software that's been managed for a long time. Um, and a lot of the problems have been dealt with potentially by the same people over and over again. And you really need uh, a fresh pair of eyes on the problem uh, that can find maybe a new way forward or a new angle and bring a bit of dynamism to the team. Um, so, you know, in terms of characters, uh, I like a bit of combination of, of, of those. Um, and then obviously you need you need to understand the technology, make sure you've got the right um, technical individuals within the team. So if, you know, you've got Java application, you've got strong Java developers uh, or otherwise. But the other thing I'd also add is that I think... Um, it's very useful uh, if you can, depending on how the organization is structured to have an end-to-end -end team. So if the software is running on uh, disks or is running on AWS, make sure you've got people with the relevant skills to manage that infrastructure properly. Because uh, it's very rare in my experience that you have uh, a large degree of modernization without some way interacting with the um, hardware that runs Runs those runs that software, uh, so make sure you've got cross-functional team, and in the same sense, make sure you've also got QAs that will provide that uh, understanding about how the software may be tested and how the kind of testing procedures happen. Because you probably need quite a quick uh, feedback cycle, and it's easier to do that within the context of your team. So, in summary, I guess have both people that are very experienced with the software, people who've never seen it, and then you have uh, a cross-functional team that uh, cover all aspects of the kind of life cycle uh, and technical management of the software would be be my preference yeah just a, if you know it's some situations actually like the goal of modernization would be to end up in a, in a place where it is um it is possible to have those cross-functional teams because a lot of the times at the start there's just that's kind of the problem right so there are no clear boundaries there's more like java department you know platforming department devops department which is completely contradicting the, the whole idea of DevOps basically, right? And like the whole idea of modernization is to start finding those boundaries within the software so that then those teams could be formed around this actually. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to um, maybe touch upon in terms of um, the uh, analysis and discovery phase, maybe in terms of comparing it to 
like a greenfield project or a typical like maintenance project, for example, right? So it's like modernization teams have this special license really to have, you know, proper amount of time for analysis and discovery compared to like, well, maintenance team, they just have the Kanban boards, the bugs come in and they just need to fix them, right? That's pretty straightforward. With greenfield projects, it's, uh, it's also a bit easier because there's this whole business context, business functionality, it's more or less known from the start, just figuring out the tech stack and get things going. And there's a lot more pressure, I guess, to um, deliver quickly. I guess in modernization, it's natural that it's expected to have a proper think about what we want to modernize, right? Uh, not to jump the gun too quickly, I guess. So workshops, 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 that's, that's the case at the beginning with as many people as possible. And there will always be that spectrum that you mentioned, Abdul, like between the, those pessimist cynics to those like super enthusiastic, like unicorn project type people that, you know, just, just waiting for a moment like this to, you know, now I can finally help out, you know, uh, modernize this thing. Um, yeah, and uh, things will crystallize eventually, but you cannot be like talking and discussing those things endlessly. You need to finally make some decisions with your stakeholder. Um, I'm not sure what worked for you, but for example, in my case, always at some points, I see maybe that's enough talking. Let's put things in this matrix of complexity versus business value of modernize, modernizing various like workflows, let's say. Um, have a discussion, then have a discussion with various key people that we previously had workshops with and then present it to the stakeholder and then he, she can see and make the decision. So um, there is that license for this you know, deeper analysis, discovery workshops, but at some point you need to, okay, that's enough. And let's put it on this matrix. Let's see where we are. Let's pick something and let's talk to the stakeholder. And so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good point, Matche. I mean, I really like that last point, and I think it's I think it's something that I've seen. The best projects I've been in have been kind of get it done projects, um, and some of the biggest failures I've seen have been where you have spent months just discussing and talking. Um, I, I have a personal preference in my head for that kind of sprint zero mentality, like you know, get everyone together, you know, give yourself maybe a max two weeks. And by that two weeks, let's go. Because the other side of that is that, you know, I think you should still be very agile in it, right? Like make the assumption you will fail first time. Like you're going to make wrong decisions. The preference is to make those wrong decisions early and, and just have the safety net around you that those mistakes don't go, don't go live if you can. But the only way you're going to find them is by doing the doing essentially and, and seeing um, what assumptions are not correct. So yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. I think, yeah, you do. You can completely get into paralysis analysis um, with um, with modernization and, and I'd say most technical projects for that matter. Yeah, because it's uh, in most of the cases not only modernizing piece of software. It's also the test suite, which is, well, first of all, it, does it exist, first of all, right? So you need to start thinking about it. If not, it's probably in shambles in some way, right? It's it's mostly end-to-end -end and it's more not a testing pyramid, but testing cone, right? It's the other way around, basically, with more mostly end-to-end -end driven uh, tests. No, I was going to say, I think as well, like not all software modernization projects are equal as well. So um, it's, it's a case where some people may have a better idea of the of the problem, going back to what Abdul was saying around sort of looking more at the, at the problem. Whereas other times it might be, we recognize that we're having lots of issues and our software needs to be modernized, but they maybe can't pinpoint it. So, so there's there's that work in that analysis and discovery to actually try and we'll shift the focus to where is the actual problem, you know, and then maybe maybe it's like a, a broader problem and then you you drill down a little bit more. Um, and then, as you said, like you take some action, like maybe you can do some experiments and then you can say, well, this isn't going to apply, um, you know, and it's, it, it's with that experiment mindset and it's not like we're going to commit to this forevermore and we're never going to change and like, you know, you then effectively do like a, a death march you know it's a it's a case of maybe you do a quick experiment during a sprint you can present that back to your main your main stakeholder um who you would hope is someone super enthusiastic um in what you're doing of course it's their area of, of the business that needs to be needs to be modernized and then you can take action you say this this didn't work out but 
this this may be a viable option experiment yes this seems like a, a way to go and then obviously there's levels to that even within the we've done this there'll be many experiments within that but i think as you said like taking action making sure you can do experiments quick enough to get feedback i think it's super important so you don't become fixated on we must march down there so it, it takes a, a certain mindset i think which um is obviously nicely aligned to to the agile mindset um but yeah there's different flavors of software modernization for sure yeah i think i think that's a really interesting point as well you said about you know finding little problems and solving them because i think it plays into very much about setting expectations with sponsors so i think you know that, that whole point about the problems very fluffy i think that's the norm rather than the exception i think that creates a risk in so far as you know you talk about modernization and they think well you know we're going to do a six months project and by the end of it i'll have the best software that man has ever known um and the reality is is that more often than not you have a variety of challenges and if we're really honest a lot of them you might not want to fix right there might not be a priority to your business and i think coming up with that priority list helps one it obviously helps the team kind of uh, settle on a problem to tackle but it also helps, I think, manage the stakeholders' expectations about what they're going to get in the immediate term. You know, so yeah, so as an example, maybe we'll remove some stability issues in the immediate term. That's that's the priority, but that's not going to help you get this kind of fully automated regression. That's something that else we'll have to do a little later on. And and then you could start to get into that conversation about what's the top priority and what to do. Because modernization, I think we've mentioned before, is an endless activity. Like you, you will be constantly bringing your software up to date and improving it in a, in a way in a, a way to bring it to that kind of idea of perfection that you'll never get to. And I think it's quite important for that to be transparent from day one. Uh, otherwise, I think you risk that kind of disappointment at the end of the project. Yeah, and so this is also like us thinking about the end, really. It's like once you're done with this, what you as a business will get out of it? What metrics will be improved, right? Is the leads times, is the mean time to recover, less bugs? Uh, uh you know faster release cycles like, it's like what are you going to get right because oh we're going to modernize this part great but like what is the grander scheme of things in the end and um or maybe i'll um I'll try to switch a bit the conversation what do you guys think about like estimating during that time because usually like there will be some business that will ask for that like how long will it take so what do you think about that initial analysis and estimating to be honest, I would call like forecasting at this point, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's interesting you you mentioned the word forecasting because um my mind goes a bit to the weather, uh, you know, and how saying what the weather's gonna be like. I mean, even even next week uh can can be wrong, right? You know, even even the day before. But um from my view, I, I think going back, similar to what you said, Abdul, around sort of setting expectations, you can give an estimate, which of course is an estimate, but I think particularly earlier on in in, in, a, in a in a particular uh, scheme of work, it can be quite difficult. And as it, not all projects are equal, some might be a bit more like we have a reasonable idea um, of what needs to be done, how much it's going to take, but we always know that things crop up. Um, but I think it can be really difficult, um, and I, I I do empathise with those who want the estimates as well, like, as, you, as you mentioned, uh, Matt, Like some people will be asking. You know, we need we need to plan our work for you know this year, etc. How long is it going to take? Um, and sort of want it sort of packaged. And this is how long it's going to take. It's going to take six months, um, uh, you know, etc. But it can be difficult. I think you sh as a team should should try um, and, and do your best. But just with expectation and set expectations. And it, again, there's obviously even if you do that, people still might be romantic with the six months it must be six months you know it can't be a month uh, longer um but everyone's different but i think you should try your best to estimate and give an idea to um to those who are um modernizing to say this you know i think it's going to take six months but I, I think it it can be difficult i see both sides i see the side that want the estimate of course because they want to know roughly how long they can sort of package this this work but um the, the recognition that by modernizing it is a commitment and, and and as it's already mentioned it is a continuous activity as well like even if you get a scheme of work completed the act of modernizing goes bigger than just a particular scheme of work it's a, it's a commitment really to try and 
you know, keep your things modern so you don't require the big um, efforts uh, later on down the line. Um, yeah. It's a bit like, um, you know, gardening, right? You can sort of, you know, prune everything and keep it keep it regularly um, good in the garden or, or you, you know, you have to sort of get the gardeners out, you know, a big team of gardeners to try and, you know, go go over the garden and then sort it out, you know, um, a couple of times a year. So it, it's it's a similar sort of thing. So I think for me, I think it, you just need to recognize that it is a commitment, regardless of how long you estimate a piece of work. To modernize is a commitment that you're always going to try and um, keep your software um, as modern as possible, whatever that means to, to your business as well. I guess um, my view on it is, so I, I use the pendulum a lot. You know, like, should we give estimates? Should we not? I think the middle way is important. I think for a lot of companies, they're public companies, and you cannot tell them, like, just give me a blank paycheck. Like, they're not going to do it. And and rightly so, right? Like, that's bad investment decision. Um, but I think at the same time, there is basically what we're really talking about is risk here, risk of unknowns, you know. So you can look at something. You might have done... 20 modernization projects, you know, you're really proficient and you look at it and you go, well, that should take me six months. Right. But the reality, what's going to change that is when you look into the actual software, you look into the problems and, and suddenly you hit roadblocks that you never anticipated. And, and that causes a huge problem. So what we're really talking about here is managing essentially project or budget risk. Now, my perspective on that, I think, is you know you follow what is becoming, I feel, or is already the industry best practice when it comes down to managing risk, which is to fail quickly. You have to. I, I would almost try and flip it around with the stakeholder and say, look, you know, roughly we think it could take six months, but it could take longer. It could take less. We just don't know, right? But the question, if they're if they're quite if they're quite on the ball, should which should come back is to say, okay, how do we how do we manage that? Unknowns, and I think it's a reasonable question. And this comes back to what we've—I think we just discussed—is go out there. You have to experiment. You have to quickly find hypothesis. You need to test it. You need to see if it works. You need to see if there's any real side effects that you can detect so far. And always kind of have that conversation. I feel with your stakeholders. Look, there's a lot of unknowns. What we're going to try and do to mitigate that unknown is in the next two, three weeks, we're going to we're going to just—you know—it's not going to be nice code. We're just going to spike it. We're going to see if these theories work. See if the improvement is what we, if the, the, you know, we see the improvement in the right direction, and that the software still operates as we understand it should operate today, you know, and maybe some of those are not quite true. Maybe you sit, sit there and say, wait, the tests, we don't have the tests there, so we're just going to see if the throughput kind of goes in the right direction, see if this is even feasible. Um, and I think then you, you kind of almost talk like a risk register, and you're starting to decommission some of those unknowns, right? Um, obviously, there's unknown unknowns, which are even harder to deal with. But I think those are just ones you just have to take. It's almost like acts of God at that point. Um, so I think it's it's all about that pragmatism. It's all about that communication. And it's also understanding from your stakeholders' perspective, they're, they're taking a risk on you, right? Like, they must have asked someone for that money. And they've, they've come around and they said, look, here's, you know, one million pounds to, to modernize your software. Uh, so sorry to modernize my software and at that point they're taking a risk right they can't go back up to their stakeholders and say oh unfortunately i spent all the money and got no return on it because that's that's their job so they they have a right to be concerned and you have to work with them on that to to make sure their needs are met yeah it's uh from my side it's um uh, always been a weird dichotomy with uh estimating because you want to be professional right and you want to give some kind of an idea to the business decision makers, like what they can expect and what you know, optimistically, pessimistically can happen, let's say. But in terms of the quality of that deliverable is the least possible quality like thing that you can give them actually, right? So it's least professional thing, right? Because you're never right. You're, you're, it's, it's always going to be, reality is going to be a bit different. So I think that the point that you have made is just that continuous, uh, continually, uh, providing the best idea of that estimation of work to your stakeholders, to your business is the, the key. And it'll be changing like sprint by sprint even, but the key is to be um, like overt with them, right? With what's going on so that they're always transparent and uh, they're always aware, basically. And they will see that things keep on changing and that's just the nature of, of it, especially like a modernization project. So I don't know, to be honest, it's um, if we have a set of things that are, you know, we do an analysis and discovery that we decide to do. I wouldn't spend more than like one day talking with the team and doing optimistic, pessimistic, realistic estimations and putting it some like 
you know, uh, under some formulas and that's it. And just keep on updating that as we go. More things will come, some things will go out and just be overt with your stakeholders. That's pretty much it. I think thinking in that mindset of what, what can you deliver in the next week, two weeks, month? Because the, the, the problem is, I guess, with estimating is a lot of times it's like you're thinking about they want to know, they have this, they know that they want to get to here potentially. And it's like, how long do you think it's going to take to get to there? Whereas if you break it down and say, well, we think in this time we can do this. And then that delivers value. And always with that mindset of, well, you know, if if I disappeared tomorrow, uh, would, I'm not planning to, by the way, but uh, if I disappeared tomorrow, would would I have delivered some value in this period of time? And then, then it compounds over time. It compounds and compounds and compounds. And then by the time you get to this point, you've delivered all of this value along the way. Um, because even even during the analysis and discovery phase, that can be super valuable. And some people might overlook it. But even if you can get some data to say, well, you know, which is part of your code um, that uh, does this particular part of processing. And this is how noisy it is with the database. This is the breakdown of reads, writes, et cetera. And it's to these, you know, 25 tables. Like, that's useful information that, that, that most likely they probably don't already have. Um, so it's just that constant mindset of what can I deliver within this um, period of time um, with a preference uh, to the short periods of time. Um, and not not even looking as opportunities as well to say well, actually this is this information itself is valuable, and that can be uh, presented back as well. That ethos, right? Deliver early and uh, deliver value early and often. I won't get into the debate around agile and you know stuff, but, but I mean, just the fact that you work in sprints doesn't necessarily mean that you truly internalize that concept, and you are thinking about those two weeks value. So I think you know it's definitely a mindset you have to really really work hard to say well what can we actually deliver and then even within that sprint what can you deliver because like from my experience that initial analysis and discovery phase um especially for like modernization project it may take more than one sprint can be two three sometimes once took even like two months to be honest that was too much but um sometimes that that's what happens and it's uh, it's sometimes have a really uh uh, significant footprint on the team, the morale of the team, the dynamics between the team members. Um, obviously, they're thrown in. It's uh, you know maybe the first time they they you know, get 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 together. Basically, they still need to know each other, and they are thrown into this analysis discovery phase, which is very stressful. There are a lot of meetings, a lot of discussions, and uh, as a team lead, like you need to be aware from the very first day about it that's you know like keeping um looking and uh, at the, the health of the team and the morale of the team because that initial part you know they're engineers they want to code they don't want to talk about that initial phase is like very heavy on that uh, so just wondering what your thoughts about uh, on this my perspective on that is that <clears throat> you I, I think a lot of uh discovery and analysis phases in my opinion, are too heavy on conversation. It's not to say conversation shouldn't be there, by the way. I think it's really, really important. But I think um, I think there's a lot of value in breaking stuff, right? Like get that app running, like see what's going on, see as um, sample, you know, what kind of database reads are going on, writes, et cetera, so and forth, how talky is it? Um, I think there's a lot to be learned from just playing with the software, you know, what happens if I do this? What happens if I do that? So I think the the analysis and conversation is always demoralizing. I think because it can be very very protracted, very detailed. Obviously, you know, for um, roles like business analysts, they live and breathe the stuff, and they they're probably having a whale of a time. But for other roles, it can be very dry, even if they need to know it. Um, but I think that at the same token, I would want or I would expect that we would be spending a lot of time just playing with the app, just seeing if we can break it. Like, you know, what 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 does it do? Like, what breaks it? What makes it work? What doesn't? Um, obviously, it depends on the size of the app as well. You know, some of the applications we're working with are so huge that breaking it probably is like a, a multi-week affair in its own right. Uh, but especially if it's on the, on the smaller side and you can get it up and running within an hour or two, I think, you know, let the team just go go wild with it for a bit, um, run some performance tests, try to work out the workflows in it. Um, try to understand how the software relates to it, how it's structured, um, because these things add value in their own right, right? So then you can start providing those assets and they're, they're part of that discovery phase, but they're working a little bit more on the technology side of it and the software side of it, rather than just on the, 
kind of business analysis side of it. So I think good blend of work is very important. Yeah, and from the get-go, as, as a team, they try to be that person who is um, taking care of that organizational stuff, uh, you know, getting to the right people, getting them to the workshops, maybe, you know, organizing and thinking about the agendas and uh, making sure the team of those engineers, like talented engineers, they like they can leverage uh, their skills, like from the very beginning, like looking at what's actually there, basically, right? Um, an interesting thing in terms of like, in, eventually you will need to have those discussions and some decisions made and this needs to happen. So like from my experience, uh, it might get um, a bit chaotic. And uh, what uh, I tried is, so we called it like a decision meeting kind of a thing. So instead of going for hours and hours about something, because at that initial stage is that, that's the kind of the case, just at 15 minutes, uh, decide what we are trying to decide upon, what are the pros and cons. If it's like a six plus people team, go into breakout rooms, have like a five minute conversations in pairs and come back. And there's usually two to one or there's just like a, like a clear um, uh, majority wanting to do this one thing. And the other just have to, you know, disagree and commit. And that's it. 15 minutes, go on. And let's continue, basically. So not sure how like you manage that. Like once the decision needs to be made, and those you know um, uh, having those discussions, bringing those discussions to the minimum, basically. I think I think it comes back to guess, the, the the previous discussion as well in terms of the the team lead and and that management as well, because you need to set expectations. Just to, to the, in the previous discussion, we're talking about um, how you know it's going to be hard work. There's going to be lots of meetings, lots of discovery. Uh, there's gonna be lots of information as well. Um, and we mentioned like setting up uh, you know, repositories and stuff, even that can be a mission uh in itself, uh depending on the on the repository. So like it, it just setting expectations with the team, I think can definitely help. Like the fact that you know, guys, this is gonna be hard work. Uh this isn't gonna be easy. Um, but I think as much as possible, try and face the try and face the 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 problems and the the uncertainty as well. Like, you know, Abdul said about, you know, just spin up the application, have a look at it. Because you might hear lots about it. You might hear, you know, oh, this application has been around for 60 years or whatever. Um, I don't know if any software survived that long, but, you know, if it has, congratulations. But, you know, then it's a case of um, looking at it, you know, and, and you might look at it and actually that kind of veil of, of of mystique and stuff, actually you sort of pull it away. And actually it's, it's, it's not it's not how bad, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of those small battles, I think, definitely help. Um, and in terms of like the, the making decisions, I think... What can help there is is that that process of tackling uh, the problems and and the sort of the lack of information because you're not going to have 100 information making these decisions especially early on in the in the project and and potentially not even later on you still might not have all of the information um, but I think the crucial thing is to try and tackle those those areas of uncertainty and try and get them whether that means pulling someone in who has more context who has been working with the software uh, to try and help share their knowledge. I think trying to give the information, give the team information and trying to remove some of the guesswork, um, I think can definitely help because sometimes otherwise you're sort of just have a high level discussion, you know, apples and oranges, you know, and, and it's not really um, super productive. Whereas if you can add a bit more information, a bit more context to that and say, well, actually what we're talking about, you know, is a, is a Granny Smith apple or whatever, you know, it, it can definitely help. Um, and I'm sure you love my analogies, um, but but that can definitely definitely help there. I think um, in those discussions with the team, and I, I think your idea as well, Mac, uh, definitely makes sense. Sort of that idea of of constraining the the time to make a decision. Otherwise, you, you know, if you say to someone, "Oh, you have a year to make a decision," then they're going to take a year to make the decision, right? Uh, if if not more. So, yeah, absolutely. So the way I see that, I think there's like there's two problems there. One is essentially dealing with unknowns and the fear associated to it. The other one is around essentially team decision-making, which I think is always contentious, right? You know, it's a very sensitive affair. On, on the first one, you know, I think there's there's that natural cutoff. I mean, that's why I always like to time box spikes. I, I think we've all had experience of the spike that goes on for approximately a forever. Um, and, I, and, and often you say, well, we don't know everything. We don't know everything. You'll never know everything, right? You know? when you really boil it down to anything in life, we don't know much, you know, it, it's unknowns are part of life. Um, so you have to kind of 
mix, uh, sorry, like blend acquire acquisition of knowledge with dealing with fear. So I think um, often than not, why do why is there like an anxiety by just playing with an application? It's not going to production or anything. It's just your local version of this code. Who cares? Like you can make a mess of it. No one cares. But there's a fear of failure. Like, oh no, like what if it goes wrong? You know, it doesn't matter. Um, and then I think the second point around team team uh, commitment and disagreement, I think that is, that's harder, actually, in my opinion. I think it's harder because I think people conflate the difference between um, uh, the decision not going your way um, and you not being heard, right? So, you know, you have a, you have a group discussion, we all come, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's because people more senior in the team think we should go this way or it's group collective decision, whatever, uh, you know, it goes the way another team member didn't want. And I think often that, that can feel like a personal rejection, right? Or oh, you didn't think my opinion was valuable. I think we've got to try and remove that from the team if possible and, and make sure everyone has that kind of mutual respect where we understand we're professionals. Everyone has been heard and it's really important. I think everyone is heard. And then at the end of that, make sure it's understood that this is, you know, the decision that's been made for X, Y, Z reason, and it's not a, a reflection of, you know, uh, a reflection of the competence of the individual that proposed maybe an alternative approach. We need to remove that personal aspect in many ways from the professional decision um, to, to make sure it doesn't come, it doesn't fester, um, which is hard, uh, to be honest, but I think it's important. Yeah, it's also important to... Um mentioned as a team lead for example it's like you really need to understand that um your team members are really if it's like a 50 50 situation and the discussion goes on forever they're really they're fine talking about it forever but in the end they're looking at you to make that final call okay you heard enough i think and uh you should be like aware this is enough let's say we're just overthinking at this point and we're going to do this i'm taking ownership of that whatever happens and that should like uh, alleviate a bit, you know, that those concerns maybe that still some people have about maybe this decision, right? So it's um, leads takes the ownership of that, and that's it. Let's move on to something else. Depending on the decision, it, you know, it, it might not be forever. You know, it might be we're going to decide to run this experiment over this one. Brilliant, we do it. See the results. Actually, the results don't look as good. Let's try the other one. You know, uh, so it really depends. Um, but yeah, yeah. Let's go and fail. Let's go and fail, yeah, right? So exactly. Let's learn, right? So, exactly. And and again, it's just the lead that should like bring that confidence that it's fine that we do it, right? We just try something. And I'm taking the ownership of that, and I'm sure we'll figure it out along the way. One area I'd like to look at next is um, is it's sort of like the, the measurement of software modernization. Um, how do you stop it becoming? You know, I mean, this is maybe philosophical in some ways, in the sense of the broader um, software development. But like, how do you stop it from becoming um, an endless task and have some metrics and measurements around it, um, and also establish those early enough so you sort of you have targets uh, that you're aiming for? Um, so maybe I'll give uh, like my idea of it. Let's say maybe uh, I'm interested what what you think about it. But um, uh, you have to keep in mind that. You'll be modernizing, but there are 10 more other teams that are still developing their software and they're still doing it in a legacy sort of way because that's what they used to, right? So um, even though that you would be modernizing this, this piece of software, like 10 other teams would be bringing 10x more legacy stuff because that's what they used to do. And so um, like one of the end goals is obviously modernize to prove that this is the way to go. This is the state of the art libraries, frameworks that we will be using for it. Like this is, our, this is like the, the testing pyramid we'll use. Uh, this is maybe some SDLC automation that we like to flavor like modernization with so that things go faster. And uh, as quickly as possible, to be honest, try to show these findings to as many of those product teams as possible so that they start developing new features, new software with these new practices so that new stuff is not legacy from the get-go. And really, um, you will just won't get anywhere as a modernization team if uh, you'll be like working in a silo and we are modernizing, don't touch us, and everyone else will be still doing legacy and you will never get anywhere. Like the point is 
to prove things and then as leverage use all those product teams to at least create new features with those uh, new findings, let's say. So I think from my side, um, I always would take it back to the business case. So as I think mentioned earlier, I think we need to understand what's the objective behind modernization. You know, there's different kinds of modernization. There has to be usually, no, there has to be a business objective, right? You're investing money, you expect return. So I think there, there needs to be an understanding of what's the primary expectation, what stakeholder want to get out of it. Um, and I think that should form a big part of your metric. So if you're looking to improve performance, then that should be a key metric. If it's to improve um, ability to change that software, so you know your delivery speed, your um, time to change, then I think that needs to be a primary uh, metric as well, et cetera, so on and so forth. And um, with that in mind, I think then you know, you, you've got that clear flow. You've got, this is what we want to do. We want to be able to maybe like release daily, you know, and then there's that, the, the the changes and the prioritization that happens then because what will give us our biggest bang for buck and then we should see that that effect on the change and i think it also helps with the you know as we discussed just a, a moment ago about those conversations right because then that, that's where the value is so if someone says hey i think we should do x and you say well how is that going to help us achieve our objective of of making sure that the software is more easy to change and if they can't come up with a good justification compared to something else. And I think you know, that's clearly that other thing's more important. Um, so I think, yeah, that, that's how I would always do it. I try to flow it from, you know, what is it we're trying to achieve in the project uh, from a business kind of perspective. And, and that would be, you know, one of my primary measures along alongside other kind of measures that are important for your software as well to make sure it's not regressing and, and hopefully, you know, in line with the kind of scout rule is improving as you kind of peripherally improve the software. So I guess maybe I mean, if we like combine like our ideas, right? So it's like moving out like those ideas and you know making sure that other teams are creating software the way we figure out the modernization, but also having that those business measurements in mind. It's like maybe one of the best best because sometimes if we modernize, it's it's a quite lengthy process and usually the systems are a bit large, so it's hard to see um, like movement in those metrics just by that modernization team delivering some modernized piece of code. It would be quite hard. But if we would measure those new features that those product teams are building with those new practices, and I, it should be far easier to see like you know faster lead times, less bugs, and uh, more releases, let's say, instead of just looking at the modernization team effort and deliverables and metrics of that. I think, I mean, I agree and I, I disagree just slightly. I think it depends on on the metric we're talking about and the business metric. I think some things uh, should be clear, right? And uh, not always the case because obviously we know clients come with legacy software usually come from legacy organizations. But if we take, for example, like uh, one aspect of modernizations might be compliance. Um, so that's, you know, looking at your compliance risk of your software, I think should be like, you know, absolute paramount and that profile should go down. Um, and I think that when you talk about uh, one of the ones I did was performance a um, long time ago. And, you know, we literally measured it every iteration and we were doing three day iterations just to see it go down. Um, I think it's, it might be an ideal. I would say that I think a lot of organizations, it's very challenging to get that kind of level of focus, but I think it's something we should aspire to. Like we should really be saying like, is it improving what we need it to improve um and then i think also helps with what you said about kind of selling it out because then we can say look you know this software does improve things it makes your your, your database connections cleaner it makes them more performant you're using less of them um so i think it's, it's really like important at least in my mind to like have that crystal clear idea about what is it that we're trying to achieve here um for for all of for that whole package as you've kind of said yeah, yeah it's, it's, just, it's just like uh, using those product teams as leverage to put yeah, that in some way. Yeah, obviously, yeah, exactly. Depending on the metric, you'll be able to sort of, there'll be sort of milestones, there'll be value. You know, I think, Abdul, earlier on, you mentioned the release cadence. That may start off as like a, could be could be once a year, could be six months. And, you know, you sort of start to bring that down over time. Um, and it, it might not, you might not meet the quoted, we want to release daily straight away but you could at least start start to see some progress along the way 
Um, and this goes back to what I was saying before around if 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 that was it and you just that you know the software modernization team working on that disappeared tomorrow, at least you would have you would have seen some measurable progress and there was some impact. You'd of course hope that you get it all the way to uh the, the daily releasing, um, if that's what they want. But um but yeah, it's that sort of drip feeding of of um of value, I think, um is is super important. And obviously if you have the measurements in place to be able to track that, then that's brilliant because you can you can see how far are, are we off that. Um, and also, it, it, in the rare case that maybe you made a change that made the releases take longer, you would be able to measure that and say, actually, we've made them take slightly longer by, you know, amending this process, et cetera, et cetera. Like from the very beginning, be clear of your stakeholders with the business that's like in this kind of project, it will take some time before these will nudge, let's say. <laughs> we'll see a change in these metrics, right? So we need to have to give us some time obviously you'll try to measure them from the beginning but probably we're looking at more like a, like a marathon yeah, yeah that depends on the scale true. as well depends on the scale of the of the of the engineering teams etc because maybe for one engineering team maybe they have a slightly different uh process and maybe for them you could maybe see that they would release faster but maybe you then need to a bit like rinse and repeat that process for like the other teams as well uh whereas if you're sort of on one big grand like release train then it might be you know it might be slightly harder to um do impact if you can't sort of siphon off a particular area great dis- another great discussion um again we covered uh we covered some ground but but even even just a small a small slice of the pie uh we still have much more to talk about um we still didn't start modernizing things <laughs> yeah we still haven't started modernizing uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be fired no <laughs> no um so any any closing thoughts um any 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 takeaways or closing thoughts or anything in particular that you uh you think you definitely want to delve into next time i think it's uh those like three sessions proof like how much there is like before you even get to modernizing things like how much things you need to consider discuss and prepare let's say before even though we at some point we discuss it, it still should be like an agile iterative thing it still has more thought that you need to put to it than to other types of projects i think so yeah, but we're looking forward to start modernizing during our discussion. So. I guess the key takeaway would be uh, the amount, I guess, balancing you have to do, right? So, you know, it's all about that, you know, you're doing that discovery, but then you also need to make sure that you're uh, focused on, on on failing quickly and getting that feedback. Um, it's very multifaceted. Um, and I think it's, it's, it is a hard balance to achieve, but it's, it just makes the modernization project so interesting um, and uh, quite a rich field, I guess, for for opportunities to learn. And I have to go last. Um, <laughs> I think the crucial thing for me is um, is is the discipline. Uh, similar to what you said, Abdul, I think the discipline involved uh, in a software modernization project. Uh, you know, we come, we have lots of examples throughout throughout this discussion. You know, making decisions, um, making sure the experiments are short, and we don't end up with the forever spike that you mentioned, uh, Abdul. You know, it's that constant discipline um, needed. Uh, I think helps make a software modernization um, either a piece of work or a wider scheme of work. Um, helps make that a success uh, because it is a constant battle. There'll be lots of forces that will be sort of going against you. Um, I think the, the discipline is the it's the crucial thing. I think um, people need um, whilst working in software modernization. Alrighty, well, I guess until next time. Thank you for listening and watching. And we'll see you again.